Today we're going to have a conversation around mixed status families. For those of you who don't know what mixed status means, it's when you've got members of your family who are legal U.S. citizens, and then you have members of your family who are undocumented. It's a sad and frustrating reality that many families in the United States of America face. You know, immigration reform is always a hot topic in Washington, D.C. It's been something that many presidents have tried to get done, yet the partisan divide between Democrats and Republicans always gets in the way. And arguably, as of recent, we've seen undocumented folks and people who have lived through these experiences have their chance to have an influence on the crafting of comprehensive immigration reform or laws that have to do with the experiences of undocumented folks in this country. The number of immigrants being removed has steadily risen from close to 190,000 deportations in 2001 to more than 400,000 per year since 2011. It's ugly. It's unfortunate. And it's a sad reality that is happening in this country that not enough folks know about. With more than 11 million unauthorized immigrants living in the country, these deportations affect a wide swath of the population, including the undocumented and the citizen alike. Documented immigrants do not live separate and walled off lives from the documented, but instead live side by side with you. Maybe you're an undocumented immigrant, and I respect you just as much as I respect a U.S. citizen. Because, if we're being frank here, you are a U.S. citizen. These folks, and I'm talking to non-undocumented non folks, undocumented people contribute just as much to this country as you do. Many of them, a, a great majority of them, pay just as much taxes as you do. They live and work alongside you, whether you know it, whether you like it or not. At this point in time, many folks find themselves in the bind of being a mixed status family. Since 2012, we've seen 16.6, more than 16.6 million folks currently living in mixed status families. Today, we're going to talk to one of my friends. He's asked that we do not say his name in order to protect his sister and his family. His family is a mixed status family. So we're going to hear their reality and his thoughts on immigration in this country and what our government should do. The conversation is just getting started and I really appreciate you tuning in to Robles Speaks. I'm here with my friend and he, he finds himself in a unique situation. Can you tell us a little bit more about that situation? Okay, so I'm going to be 21 a year from now. 
And, you know, speaking to our lawyer, um, at the age of 21, you're finally able to take into court an immigration case, you know, to naturalize and to help with the citizenship of one of your family members. And what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be taking my sister's case into court um, because, you know, she's in a very special situation. Uh, my parents are here legally. They're on work permits. You know, they're not citizens, but they're here legally. And I'm a citizen and my youngest sister is a citizen. But we're in a situation where just, there's just one of my family members, you know, my one sister who's not a citizen, you know, who's not here legally, which, you know, is going to raise a lot of problems in the future, especially as she's getting to the age, you know, where she's going to need a social security number to get a driver's license, um, to get a job, uh, to be able to apply for scholarships, you know, like with FAFSA and all of that. And, you know, just be able to travel, just to be able to like move about freely in this country. Um, those are these, you know, it's very important for me to deal with this sooner rather than later because um, she's getting to that age where all of this is going to kind of pile up on her very suddenly. And it's going to be very heartbreaking when she realizes that those are all things that she cannot do. Mm -hmm. So how did your sister get caught in this situation? So the way I like to explain it is that, you know, it was 100% an accident because so my parents were already living in the United States you know, far before I was even born, you know, they were here since the mid nineties. Um, and they were here on work permits, you know, legal work permits. Um, they were living in Oklahoma. I was born there. Um, and so basically since the time I was born and even before that, we were already established in this country. We came to Tucson, um, at around 2005 when I started going to kindergarten and the plan for them was never to stay in the United States. You know, they were here on work permits and they were working. And their plan was always to return to Mexico, which is why they never fixed or tried to fix for citizenship, you know, back then. Back then, it probably would have even been a little bit easier. You know, it, it was still a long, difficult, you know, arduous process. But maybe it would have been even a little bit easier just because of, like, just in comparison to the, you know, like, to the government that's in place right now, you know. Absolutely. It, it's, it, it seems like it's only getting harder. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's something that they regret a little bit. But at the time, they never planned on establishing their life you know in the united states it was always return um so i was born here my sister got caught in the situation because um so even though we were already living here when my grandparents had had some health issues my mom and i alone went over there because you know she wanted to help him it was her parents my dad was still in the united states he was working and my sister was born prematurely so we were living in the United States, and even though my mom wasn't supposed to give birth for another two months, you know, my sister was born prematurely at just under seven months. So that, you know, being over there, being rushed to the hospital, and then them being told, I mean, her being told by them that, you know, they had to take her out by, you know, emergency, um, you know, there, there's, there was really nothing she could do at that point. You know, she had to do what was best for her daughter, you know. Um, so she was born over there. Uh, she spent literally one week over there. One, one week into her life, she came to the United States. She's been here ever since. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then my youngest sister, two years later, she was born in the United States. So she got caught in that situation where she was born prematurely, you know, on a little bit of like on a trip to Mexico. And it's not as easy, you know, one may think, okay, you guys are established here. Both of your siblings are citizens. You know, it's kind of like a common sense thing that she would get her citizenship as well 
you know, but because my parents aren't citizens, <clears throat> they were they were here legally and they were living here legally because of their work permits. Uh, because they weren't citizens, it's you know she's not gonna be treated the same way a daughter of two U.S. citizens that were out on a trip would. You know she's gonna be treated you know no differently than you know an immigrant child who crossed the border. Um, without papers or the immigrant child, you know, the child of an immigrant who was born over there or just, you know, just your basic, you know, Mexican national. She's going to be treated no differently, despite the fact that she's 100% American. She's been here literally, basically since before the time she was born. You know, she's 100% established here. So that's how she got caught in that situation was, you know, by accident, basically. Have you, have you all found yourselves in situations of deep, stress because of your sister's um documentation status yeah so it, it happens a lot you know we travel a lot due to like just like the lifestyle we live um uh, we're very involved with horses you know rodeos my dad's a horse trainer and everything so that involves a lot of road travel um and you know when my whole family is with me you know we'll cross a lot of border patrol checkpoints and you know she's you know, as I said, she's like 100% an established American teenager, you know what I mean? By looking at her, by listening to her, uh, by talking to her, nobody would ever think that, you know, she's in the situation she's in, you know what I mean? You'd think she's, you know, just your average American teenager and that she's 100% from here, which, you know, she is, you mm -hmm. know, but not, you know, like not, not on you know, paper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not on paper, you know, it's not written on paper, you know, but she is. Right. And... So we kind of like clench our teeth, you know, hope and pray to God that they don't ask anything. And because of the way she is, like they, they never do, you know, and, um, but it, but it does lead to, you know, that kind of fear when things like that happen. Um, one example of that is we were coming back from a rodeo one time and <laughs> one of the, my dad's name, um, there was a guy, I guess, who there was probably an ambulance alert or something like that at that time and the guy's name um was the same as my dad's name so when we came across the border patrol checkpoint they stopped us and everything and they were questioning him and like are you a u.s citizen are you like are you did you adopt like abduct these kids and like no 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 and, like he's our father and we were there for like five hours and like all of the questioning was on him you know what i mean mm -hmm. and like after five hours like he got let go or whatever and we were able to like go on our way it was like two in the morning but you know, the whole entire time, you know, it, he was being 100% honest. Like, well, I'm a U.S. citizen. Those are my kids. No, not a U.S. citizen. I'm, I'm here legally. Here's my work permit. Those are my kids. You know, <laughs> they're citizens, you know, but the whole entire time we were kind of just like clenching our teeth. Uh, mm -hmm. Please don't question her, just her specifically. They asked me, I was the oldest, so they asked me for my credentials. I gave them my credentials. I'm a U.S. citizen. I was like, yeah, like, look at them, you know, like, obviously, you know, they're my little sisters, you know, it was kind of like obvious to them. They're like, okay, they would obviously be US citizens too, whatever. So they didn't ask it, but the whole entire time, it was just kind of like this, like this five hours of pure fear kind of like induced into you, like just hoping to God that they wouldn't, you know, question her because, you know, then that would lead to some serious problems, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of like that situation specifically that we were put in that one time. But, you know, any time that we cross the border patrol checkpoint, any time that, you know, we're in a situation and being in Tucson, those situations arise a lot because, like, the border patrol is very, you know, prominent here and all of that. So um, 
it's kind of scary. Like a lot of the times it doesn't even cross your mind because it's like, okay, like we look normal, whatever. There's, there's no way they question us. But in the back of our minds, we're always just like, please, like let that be the case. Right. So, so you, you described a, a unique uh, situation. I wouldn't say it's unique because unfortunately <clears throat> a lot of folks who cross through border patrol checkpoints probably find themselves being interrogated. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether that's based on their last name, the color of their skin, Mm-hmm. or their status here in this country. Do you think the culture in the Border Patrol should change as far as that goes in order <laughs> to kind of help uh, ease the stress when it comes to traveling around Arizona? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, when it comes to human rights and just, you know, being treated, you know, by like with human dignity, you know, overlooking you know the color of your skin you know like your last name and all of that stuff you know that's that to me is all common sense you know but i mean there are a lot of like i think there are a lot of people that get into the border patrol for the wrong reasons but at the end of the day like the mission of the border patrol is you know to protect the border i think every single country needs to have a border patrol Mm -hmm. needs to have you know that front line that's going to protect you know the borders you know but in you know their overall mission everything is 100% 100% good, you know, 100%, you know, well-intended. However, you know, the same as, you know, as it goes in law enforcement, you know, to protect the peace and all of that, you know, the mission is 100% good, but you always have those few who get into it for the wrong reasons, whether it's, you know, like the the power that they, you know, they feel when they put on the uniform, <clears throat> when they have the badge on them, mm-hmm. or, you know, just like the situations that they're put in where they could probably, you know, get in the situation where, you know, they're seeing a lot of these people that they're kind of so prone to hate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there are those few, I think that do get into it for the mm-hmm. wrong reasons. So, you know, I've, I've dealt with a lot of border patrol, as, as I said, that I cross through border patrol checkpoints a lot due to like the ground travel, that, the heavy amount of ground travel that we do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can say that, you know, nine out of 10 of them are absolutely great people. And then there's always just like the one who starts asking, you know, unnecessary questions and, you know, questions that they obviously wouldn't ask anybody else, but they take a look at you and they're like, all right, you know, they're like, I'm going to ask them a couple of, you know, like personal questions that I probably shouldn't be asking on the job, but I'm going to ask them anyways, just because I could probably, I think I can pry something out of them, you know, mm-hmm. because like, that's their mission. It's not the border patrol's mission but it's that individual's mission to, you know, abuse their power. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So, you know, all in all, as I said, you know, great people, great Mm -hmm. mission, but there's the rotten few who take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's where a lot of, you know, us and like people that look like us, you know, that's how they get into those situations where they're kind of, you know, being harassed or, you know, put on the spot to reveal sensitive information that they shouldn't be revealing otherwise. Mm-hmm. So how has your sister's situation changed your outlook on the immigration system in this country? <clears throat> well, my outlook on the immigration system has always been the same. Um, it got drilled into me at a very young age because, you know, obviously being, um, being the child of immigrants, you know, it, from the time that you can finally, you know, that your cognition skills are like at a certain level, you're starting, they start drilling into you, you know, this is who you are. 
uh, this is what you're fighting for. Mm-hmm. This is what other people are going to try to do to get you down. So, you know, there's a certain conversation that goes on, I think, in immigration, like immigrant households that doesn't go on in a regular household to where, you know, the child has to kind of adapt a lot quicker. You know what I mean? They what have are to, some of those conversations? So the conversations just kind of regard, you know, not revealing personal information. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you feel like or you know that you're being treated differently than your partner um because and your partner looks different than you you know that you know that it's probably going to be because of the way you look or something um something similar of that matter uh you know stuff like that stuff that it get because as a kid you know you're not you don't you're not born seeing different colors you know what i mean you're not born to try to understand what's on a paper, what's not on a paper, who has a paper. You know what I mean? You're not, you're born with like all the innocence in the world and your ideas are kind of molded by the people around you and like Mm -hmm. your situations and all of that stuff. You know what I mean? So when you're a kid, you don't understand that. And being a child of immigrants, you know, your, your immigrant parents and everything are trying to do their absolute best to protect you, to protect themselves, to protect their household. So in order to do that, they have to get that across to you at a very early age mm-hmm. so that you're, you know, so that you rec- so that if you're put in that situation, you recognize it and you're able to act appropriately. You know what I mean? So basically like the number one thing is just don't reveal any information. You know what I mean? And if you are put in a situation where like you're kind of getting interrogated and they want you to like to pry to pry it out of you, you know what I mean? Pull the, you know, pull the citizen card, you know, like I'm lucky enough to be a citizen. I'm like, I'm a citizen. Like, why are you treating me like this? Like, please just leave us alone. You know what I mean? Um, It's kind of just knowing how to act in those situations where, you know, you're, you feel very vulnerable because you are being put in a kind of, hostile situation right when do you plan on taking your sister's case to court and are you facing some issues in doing so okay so as far as issues like in doing so um no as of now no because you know we're we are you know paired up with a great lawyer and the lawyer has been explaining the process on September 20 on September 20th of 2021 I will turn 21 you know, a year from now. And as soon as I turn 21, hopefully by the end of 2021, we already have a case that we can take into court. So hopefully by the end of 2021, that is what will be happening. And, you know, as far as like an issue in getting into the court, um, right now I haven't come across any, mm-hmm. you know, the way the lawyer explains it, it's just a matter of me turning 21 and the case is going to be ready and we're going to take it, you know, and we're going to help you fight for that. Do you know what the process involves? I mean, so the process basically involves setting up your case, you know, um, obviously coming up, you know, trying to convince, you know, the judge at the first step, you know, it, it isn't going to be citizenship right away. You know what I mean? There's always a process to get citizenship, you know, but in the first couple court cases, what's going to be, you know, strived for is, you know, a, like a judge's, okay, I forgot what it was called exactly. It's like a judge's no one that allows her to be in this in like the united states legally um when my dad's like work permit expired one time 
he had some immigration courts and he was able to get that, you know, that judge's note, you know, that signed judge's letter. Mm -hmm. And he was able to be in the country legally thanks to it, you know, for that, for that year or two that his, you know, work permit was in process to be renewed, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's, I think that's the first step. And then moving further on from there, it's kind of just starting the naturalization process. You know, who knows, maybe because of the situation that she's in and everything, um, she will get citizenship right away. You know, one can only pray for that mm-hmm. and, you know, really hope for that. But, mm-hmm. but you know, it's not something that we're relying on. Right. Um, so the process is basically just going to be presenting the case to the judge. And, you know, like any other court, you know, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be the state fighting against you, you know, trying to deny, you know, mm-hmm. your naturalization. Right. And then there's going to be the other side, you know, the defendant side where, you know, you're bringing up, you know, all of the facts and everything and trying to just, you know, <laughs> convince them that, look, she's about as American as it gets. She deserves mm-hmm. to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, please allow us to, you know, get this in, you know, and, so I think, you know, at the end of the day, I'm probably going to go a little bit off topic here, but at the end of the day, I, I believe that like every single child, you know, who's here right now deserves to stay here. You know what I mean? There's no reason for anybody, you know, to be put in a cage, to be, you know, sent back to a place that they don't even know. You know what I mean? Um, they feel alienated as, enough as it is being in a country that they know so well Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not being accepted right imagine how they're going to be feel you know being sent to a country where they you know don't know anything so the intro and outro music i had for this interview was a hip-hop beat of george Strait's you're so good in love and it's because my friend is a huge george Strait fan so i just thought i'd give him you know that small gesture you know what i mean anyways what my friend says is incredibly powerful too many folks in this country find themselves in a bind their very existence is at stake here their very existence is basically in the hands of our lawmakers and when you have this partisanship that prevents him from making progress on this controversial issue is unfortunate now if i was in office I'd be advocating for amnesty for all children in this country who find themselves undocumented. I'd be advocating for amnesty for all undocumented folks who find themselves contributing positively in this country, whether that be paying taxes or just plain old going to school, working, and trying to raise a family. These people are just like you. They are you trying to make it in this crazy world. It's critical to note how the United States helped create mixed status families headed by undocumented parents and the large numbers that they exist in today. U.S. foreign policy fosters conditions in foreign countries that make migration and settlement in the United States necessary for survival. Returning to a country of origin in some cases means certain violence and even death. U.S. policies have actually encouraged Mexican undocumented immigrants to stay in the country. 
instead of participating in historical patterns of seasonal migration. The militarization of the border that began full force in the 80s and 90s altered seasonal Mexican labor migration. This caused migrants to consider permanent settlement in the United States. As migrants settle and make the U.S. their home, families often form. Without broad, comprehensive immigration reform in the last 30 years, it is families, not immigrants by themselves, who are left in the legal limbo. We need a humane immigration policy in this country. We need a path to citizenship for many of these folks. It shouldn't take decades, and it shouldn't take thousands of dollars, yet it does. This humane immigration policy I'm kind of advocating for is very broad, and I'm open to getting into specifics. But for the meantime, we need this policy to relieve many of the challenges mixed status families face. And our country would be better for it. This is not just an immigration issue, but a deeply American problem that we as a country have a responsibility to resolve. We must be mindful of the ways in which immigration policies and debates impact individuals of all immigration statuses. Look, I'm an American citizen, and that's a privilege that I have. I will use whatever power I have with that privilege to be an ally to my undocumented brothers and sisters in the community, to my mixed families that are my fellow community members. I will be an ally to you. And to those who find yourself in my shoes, do the same. Speak out against xenophobic rhetoric that we find often in this day and age and work with individuals advocating for causes that would result in humane immigration policies and end inhumane immigration policies in this country. But for the meantime, I want to thank you for joining the conversation here at Robles Speaks.